players gather to cast powerful spells, some of the oldest and most powerful in the history of Magic the Gathering. Dark Depths, Blood Moon, Doomsday, and many others. Battling head-to-head -head in brutal combat, they all have one thing in common. To uphold their legacy and the search for eternal glory. The Eternal Glory Podcast is brought to you by Bacharel on YouTube, Caribbean University, and TheEpicStorm.com. This episode is sponsored by Tales of Adventure. Get sweet legacy staples and much more at ToAMagic.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 84 of the Eternal Glory Podcast, Bands and Bros. We've already recorded 30 minutes of introductions and banter for this week, available in our Patreon-exclusive pre-show. Check out patreon.com slash eternalglory to gain access. And let me tell you, Brian said some hot stuff in this week's pre-show. It's true. Shout out to our new patrons since the last episode, Stuart, Josh, and Brian. Not me, a totally different Brian, but they do spell their name correctly. Um, with the rest of our patrons, we'll learn how I got kicked out of a Vegas casino at Magic 30. That story is told right at the top of the episode. None of us have shit our pants live on uh, on audio or video today, so um, everything's going great. Let's just hop directly into uh, the episode topics of today. We have gotten some requests to do a ban episode. We're not going to do that. You can have like a third of an episode or maybe half an episode. Blue Red Delver is really good. Expressive Iteration is really good. But the thing about this right now is that it's really hard to say something that we haven't already said before. Since Ragavan's banning in uh, January, Delver has stayed good. Expressive Iteration has stayed good. So we're over a year now of Blue Red Delver dominance without really the need to splash for another color it's really hard to say things that we haven't said in video form or in article form somewhere along the way and that's okay we can just collect our thoughts here because the folks do want to hear them and i am of the opinion that expressive iteration is the card if a card needs to go which i mean the wizards of the coast ban article that went out that spawned all these requests for us to talk about it they said delver is good but it's beatable and there is a established tier one that all sort of rock paper scissors each other in what looks like a healthy metagame and i think that would still be true without expressive iteration like delver would still be good but it wouldn't be the best aggro deck and the best control deck anymore it would have to be actually settle into a, like the tempo roots of a delver deck and the fact that the best tempo deck in the format also gets a crushing mystic sanctuary multiple ei endgame basically for free i think that's whack but more than just delver i think that what expressive iteration is doing to the format at large looks kind of unhealthy for color control we're just at a point where any other engine you could be running is just worse than expressive iteration folks are warping mana bases to do it a year and change ago at the first legacy pit open i played the first iteration of lone band where I was dipping into red off of just a Ketria Triome and just for some Pyroblast on the sideboard. And I had a main deck slot and I was like, well, there's one red anyway. I could play one expressive iteration. And I felt very smart for doing that. And now we're just at the point where now you play four of that. That's your draw engine. I would play four EIs before I play the first Uro in my 
core Bant control deck, and red is not one of the Bant colors. So the Bant core of just Uro, Endurance, Swords of Plowshares, Brainstorm, etc. needs red to compete. We're in a format with Blood Moon, Wasteland, etc., which Legacy has the checks. So you could say the tools are still there, and they're being played by Tier 1 decks, and everybody's checking each other's boxes. I, I just think that Expressive Iteration is warping too many things. It's kind of a play it or lose kind of situation. If you're in blue, you want to find a way to get red into your deck as well. And it's also just the core card advantage engine of the, the deck that everybody hates. As we record this today, Blue Red Delver is a Delver is 21.6% of the metagame according to MTG Goldfish. The second deck is Doomsday at 7.4%, so it is triple the second place deck. On top of that, if you go back and look at the Legacy Pit Open 2 results, one of the Doomsday decks in top 8 was playing Expressive Iteration. Let that sink in for a second. Like, it is actually bonkers. I've played against Sneak and Show with Expressive Iteration. I have played against... Basically every combo deck under the sun trying out expressive iteration. And when I wrote an article recently about Delver, I just quoted the dig through time ban announcement and just replaced the words dig through time with expressive iteration. And it checks all those same block boxes. It's the problem of letting the blue decks reload for two mana at very low cost. And the Mystic Sanctuary that we have access to now causing those to loop is is nuts. I recently played against an opponent who molded to four. They kept land, land, expressive iteration as three of their cards. And like you bet it was just expressive iteration, get another expressive iteration, get Mystic Sanctuary, loop the first one. And they like they got out of a mulligan to four off keeping one expressive iteration in that hand, which right. is wild. Even dig through time, you wouldn't have had the velocity on a Malt of Four to fill your graveyard with delve cards to get the first dig through time off the ground. The investment is lower. The deck building requirements are a little different because your curve wants to be low enough, but the fact you could play lands off of EI, every deck has lands. I was in Grix's control, which is something I've been working on a lot over the last year. My initial impression was we don't want EI because many of our cards cost three, four, and five. That doesn't matter. You still want to hit your land drops. One in three cards in the deck, on average, is a land, because I play like 21 lands in the deck. So that card is just always bonkers at any point, turn three and beyond. Because as long as you can make a land drop with it, it's worth putting on the stack. And just dig and bury, and I'm just playing for that card in Grix's control now, when I was on one or zero a year ago. Brian referenced the BNR announcement, and reading it, I couldn't help but feel that that you're putting a lot of stock into Magic Online results, specifically league play, because they mentioned that all play it had a lower percentage. But if you look at the leagues, and I talk about this a little bit in the Patreon exclusive pre-show, people in leagues don't play Delver. It's essentially a safe haven for people to play their fun legacy decks. And then in the challenges, people, you know, take the gloves off, they're ready to hit hard. Well, if they're looking at league play like they are challenges, it's certainly going to lower their percentage of Delver. That said, they didn't reference over those two weeks how the legacy pet open was dominated by blue red delver and there was another paper event that's escaping my mind right now where delver did very very well and it's it feels like they're choosing not to look at certain things or they're choosing to include leagues to water it like i feel like they're cherry picking their numbers a little bit like obviously i don't have proof of that but it just feels a little bit disingenuous to me, especially when so many people have left the format waiting for a change, and they're like, well, the numbers say it's fine, and you're stuck in this prisoner's dilemma that I really don't enjoy. 
Yeah, I don't know where their numbers come from. Uh, obviously, they have more numbers than anyone else does, like actual Wizards of the Coast with all of the online data rather than just what filters out into the deck dumps and whatever. They do have more than us, but what they're doing with those numbers of uh, recent exciting printings like Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Leyline Binding will shake up Legacy. Okay, <laughs> uh, Leyline Binding is the solution to the deck that plays Wasteland in it and Days. Wasteland, your triome. Your spell went from costing one to costing four, and if you ever get it on the stack, I'm going to daze it. That's the answer to Murktide region we've been waiting for, apparently. Thanks for that, Wizards of the Coast. All right, let's let's not get angry about Leyline Binding, because otherwise I'm going to talk about that for 20 minutes. Um, let's, let's talk about some data. So, from Legacy Challenges in October, Blue Red Delver had 17 top eight placements. The next placing deck was Doomsday at 11, followed by Four Color Control at eight. So two of the top three decks are expressive iteration decks, surprised Pikachu face, and the other one is a deck that is just extremely hard to interact with and doesn't even want the game to go long enough to need to cast a source of card advantage like expressive iteration. Yeah, like those are the two genders right now. It's expressive iteration and decks that are faster than expressive iterations card advantage can kick in. Unquestionably right now, one of the best decks in Legacy is the Moon Stompy deck, which is kind of weird that that is the case, but it's something that goes fast enough to go under expressive iteration so people don't have the time to dig to their appropriate answers. And it's also something that very well punishes the four color greedy mana bases because you can have, you know, four blood moons and another four magus of the moons if you really want to go deep on that sort of effect. It's so tough to be interested in this. And I'm not trying to like sound whiny or anything here. I mean, I probably come across that way anyway, but we say the same thing once a year every for the last three years. Like at some point every year, there comes a point where Blue Red Delver needs something removed. And I feel like Wizards just decided not to remove something last BNR. And that happens a couple times each year too, but it just feels like we should be there by now. And we all love Legacy. My interest in the format's certainly gone down a little bit over the last few months. It would just be nice if we had something finally happen to shoot some life back into the format, get people interested again, that sort of thing. I will respond to that by, I, I agree with your point, though I'm not at the like, come on, what are we doing here stage that I was with Ragavan. I, I do think Legacy is completely playable. I, in fact, enjoy it when I go to record my Legacy video every week, every day. I'm not like, oh, here goes this shit. Gotta gotta wade through this. I am genuinely stoked, and I get to do like a, oh, we gotta try hard in the, in the chat when I compare into Delver, and we just make a joke out of it, and then I try to play my game and beat Delver. EI is not Ragavan, it's not Ren and Six, it's not Treasure Cruise, it's not quite as offensive as those things, but I still think it's over the line. It's the clear best thing to be doing in the format if you are a fair blue deck of any nature, or maybe even if you are a blue combo deck of, of some nature. Right, I've been playing a lot of modern, preparing for Magic 30, where Ren and Six is still legal, and the deck that I chose after two weeks of hard testing was Blue Weight Control, Splashing Ren and Six. We're just tucking that buddy in the deck because we're playing Leyline Binding and some Triumphs anyway. And then it's not much to just cast Ren and Six too. So it, it's literally Blue Weight Control with Blue 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 Archmage's Charm as a four of in the deck. And we're curving Ren and Six into Archmage's Charm. Playing Modern, it's like the, the two pillars are Ren decks and non-Ren decks. 
are you trying to like blast through the wrens or are you trying to grind on the wren axis and expressive iteration is also legal in that format but since they banned yorion you don't need a second engine like most of the ei decks in modern also played wren the one major exception being is it murktide which is held together by expressive iteration in modern as well and if ren and six were to go in modern it would become ei and just these these two mana engine cards, these two mana engine mirrors, I'd rather play EI mirrors than Ren mirrors. It's the same kind of feeling where it's like, this is very obviously the best way we can draw a card for two mana, and we're all going to do it, or we're all going to try to blast through it where it doesn't matter. And I just get, I'm just seeing a parallel there. And I think in Legacy, part of the reason why everyone is just so sick of it is because like we've seen the same play pattern so many times. Like, this is just Treasure Cruise, um, Renin 6, Dig Through Time, uh, Ragavan to a slightly lesser extent. Every time the Delver deck gets a, like, one or two mana source of card advantage, that, like, is the straw that breaks the camel's back, and the deck becomes too good, and something needs to be taken out of it. We've all seen this before. We, we all know where it's at. We all kind of suspect that this card is going to go at some point in the not-too-distant future. And we're just we're just kind of waiting out the clock. Yeah, the the games still being playable is really the only saving grace here. Ren and six picking up Wasteland every turn when Delver had access to that with some BS. When Delver could Wasteland you and still cast a two drop off Deathrite Shaman, that was some BS. Or they just had Reach built into their mana dork for the mid and late game and main deck graveyard hate. Just all the there's a lot of stuff that these other cards provide uniquely. To Delver that we just talked about that have been banned. EI just gives you more Delver cards. It's it's kind of just two mana draw two, which doesn't provide any other angles for the deck. Like Ragavan is a giant snowball. Take your cards, ramp mana. EI doesn't ramp mana. It doesn't fix mana. It doesn't provide graveyard hate. It doesn't, you know, this or that. It, it just gives you more of the cards that are in your deck, which so it is a little different. And it's exploitable in this five pyroblasts in a 75 main deck. You just go after the EIs early or save them for the Merktides later. And there is some gameplay to that that's pretty interesting. Blusterstorm on a turn two EI could just end the game because they're about to miss their land drop and then don't really have a plan. They were counting on that. I've had success with that in Control Mirrors, just attacking the early EIs. There is play to it compared to these other cards. It's just, I don't like the games where I open against Delver with like three base access to two or three basic lands, two or three plow effects and some sort of engine like Narset. And I'm like, kill your threat, kill your threat, draw a card, draw a card, shrug off wasteland, then lose because you drew EI in the mid game and EI found EI found Merktide with counter backup. The the deck with the, the multiple three power one drops should not also have dig through time to reload. I think you should have to pick one or the other. I also think EI promotes a lot of garbage time gameplay where like one person has cast their second or third EI in a game and you know you know that you've lost, but nothing's really killing you yet. Like they're they're just so far ahead. And so like if you want to maximize your, you know, technical win percent, like you're supposed to keep playing and chugging through that. But like, it's so clear the game is over in most cases. Yeah, in EI mirrors, you're usually an EI away from starting to catch back up if you have something like Uro in your deck. But if you are these these other decks that I know Phil and, and Bryant, you prefer to play, like if you're the combo deck trying to punch your window or you got stuffed once and you're trying to rebuild and then you just 
the EIs bury you. Your your Thalia and Stoneforge Mystic get answered, and then you have like three lands Flicker Wisp, and then EI EI EI, and you're not coming back from that from a fair deck. There, so like it, it's kind of you have to engage them on their terms, or or just punch through it, which is something that we've said a couple times already. Something I've wondered a lot about is I've mentioned this a couple times so far, but if leagues are this safe haven for you know, no Delver. Is there a way, and I'm just talking hypothetically here, I, I don't think this would realistically work, but if the Legacy community all decided like, hey, I'm just going to play Delver. If we can do this as a group, we all play play Delver, making a miserable experience for everyone, get the numbers high enough, would Wizards actually take action? It's something I've thought a lot about. Like, let's say for a calendar month, I just decided to play Is It Delver in both challenges every single weekend, and a couple other people did too. Could we get the numbers high enough to matter? And I've thought about this, and I think the realistic thing is I don't know if it actually would make a difference. And I end up looking at Vintage sometimes to see the numbers there. And we have Blue Tinker at 34% of the format. Granted, it is a different format, but Blue Tinker is up to 34% that we know of because the, the data is a little bit skewed due to how they publish league results. How high does that number need to be for Wizards to show that they care? Because right now, is it Delver's at 21.6%? That, I mean, when when Top was banned out of Miracles, people were like, oh my god, 18% of the metagame? That's insane. But that's not even the highest we've seen Blue Red Delver. So we've talked about that in past episodes where the goalpost has shifted, but at one point is enough of enough. And at, can you do anything as a player to change that? And I think that win rate is more important than meta share. Like if 50% of people choose to play a deck with a 50.5% win rate, that's not unhealthy. It's just people making a choice to play just like old, old, old Jund, like old Jund with, it's just, you're just 49% against the field or whatever. If 50% of people chose to play a 49% deck, that metagame is not bad. It's actually quite exploitable. The The Wizards article said that Delver win rates are in the correct pocket. They didn't say meta share doesn't matter, but I, I would make that argument that like roll your eyes, I'm tired of playing against Delver is one thing. But if you're beating it you know, 50% of the time, then we're in the pocket of healthy magic gameplay. How much of that do you think is... Delver's the best deck. I want to play the best deck. I'm learning Legacy. I think that approaching Legacy from zero, or I haven't played in a couple years, people should start with Delver. I just think that's good fundamentals. You'll know what True North is. You'll know what Legacy is really about. And then you can start extrapolating from there. Like, I really enjoyed Delver and Thalia really messed me up. My cards costing two collapses the whole deck. I'm going to try Thalia deck or whatever. Like, but you want to know what that play pattern feels like before you flip it. Like a lot of my deck building, when I get sent to brew or whatever, I'm like, well, I'm going to add two more basic lands in here because I know how that feels to just get ahead of days with a basic. And then our good spells start resolving. And there's just these like little pieces that you understand better by playing Delver that help you play anything else. Everything that people have published in regards to like metagame health and data like calling for bans from delver or bans for ei just like haven't worked like we we can post you know x number of tournaments results x win percentage x percentage of the metagame and like we're, we're, we're just kind of stuck with it and so like you can either leave the legacy format or you can play the format that you have and as a whole, I am enjoying playing the format that we have, but every time that my opponent just plays a turn three Merktide Regent or like 
I get buried by that EI. It's just like, okay, I've, I've, I've seen this enough times. Like, I know how this goes. This portion isn't super interesting. And I, I, I'm ready for another alternative. Yeah, I, I know I've made this comparison before, but when Grix's Death Shadow was at the height of its powers in Modern, probably four or five years ago, whenever that was, people were calling for a ban there. The counter argument was, this is a deck that interacts, kills you with creatures. You can see it, all the pieces of it coming. Like, it's not like, I have no permanence in play and suddenly you're dead. Like, there's no toxic gameplay about it. It's, I'm going to thought seize you, put some pressure on you, fatal push your creature, and then cast a 7-7. And if you can't answer that 7-7, you will die in three turns to it. Is that a bad thing to have as the best deck in your format? Just a fair interactive creature deck, which I think is the argument to keep Delver around. Like, the calls to just just hit Delver, just hit Daze, just hit whatever, like, Take out something from the core Delver shell so we don't have to whack-a-mole every one or two mana card advantage engine forever. I think it is good to have a fair creature deck that you can interact with over multiple turns be the best deck in the format. It's just there are little pieces that push it into too much. I want Delver to exist as a deck. I love Delver as a deck. When Delver is healthy, I love playing against Delver, and I often play decks that are good against Delver, so I'm often happy in that regard. But... I feel like against current blue-red Delver, in so many of my games, my decisions don't matter. Like, I can play an amazing, tight, technical game for seven turns. My opponent draws EI into EI into Merktide, and nothing that I did in those first seven turns matters. Or my opponent plays Dragon Rage Channeler into turn three Merktide Regent with three counterspell backups, and nothing that I did matters. I feel like current Delver is a little bit too good, but in no way do I just want to gut Delver like, okay, this deck is never playable again. Going back to Brian's point about having a creature deck be the best deck in the format and how it promotes healthy gameplay, I do believe that there is a blue bias within the game of Magic the Gathering. If you look at a lot of prints where over time people are like, why is that a blue spell? Why did True Name Nemesis have protection from everything? Isn't that a white mechanic? Leovold, it was a white mechanic, and then they made it blue. And then we had Narset All later. should be a white card, for sure. Exactly. So Snapcaster Mage, that was literally the card recoup. And then they just went and made it blue. So I do feel like there's this blue bias in Magic where people are like, oh, yeah, a blue deck should be the best thing because blue's the best color. Should it always be that way? And I don't necessarily disagree with Brian's point about how... You want the best deck to be something that, you know, you could see it coming in from all that stuff. But, like, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing ever if a combo deck could be the best thing that you could be doing. It very rarely is. And if it is the best thing, people are usually a little bit more vocal about wanting it removed. It's just the nature of the game. People don't love combo decks. And I completely get that. I am in the minority in that, you know, regard. But Delver's been the the best deck since 2010. And it's always looked relatively the same. I mean, maybe you can take out the Miracles era in there if you so choose. But even during that time period, Delver was the second best deck. It's just, it's been around forever. I don't think it's going to leave. But I'm not necessarily against hitting a core piece. Because I think even if you hit the core piece, it's still going to be tier one. The deck as a whole is just so solid that you could hit a core piece. You could hit a daze or expressive iteration and i think the deck is still going to be just as fine we've heard people during the oka oko era being like well if you remove oko and dreadhorde it's going to fall off please we saw how that worked out people are just very hyperbolic about what the deck can and can't handle and you know you could say the same thing about what i'm saying right now but 
the deck's always been around. You could hit a number of cards in the deck. It's still going to be there. Yeah, I, I always think back to the era where Maverick, Esper, Stoneblade, and Rug Delver were like the, the trifecta at the top of Legacy. I played a lot of Rug Delver in that era, and the deck was powerful. You did have your Delver Stifle Days Wasteland starts. Like Delvering people will always be something the deck can do. But then sometimes you just got chaliced or you got stuck behind a batter skull and you had to like really aggressively cantrip for your one of sideboard ancient grudge. And if you find it, you get the batter skull and the GTA. But if you don't find it, you lose and or like you really get stuck behind a Thalia or like I thought that that era or Stifle didn't line up with their draw and Stifle was a card in your deck. Like, I, I thought that that era was really appropriate for for all the players involved. That was an awesome time of format. It was. Health. And and I think that is it Delver right now with all the tools that exist, like Prismatic Ending, Endurance, like uh, Veil of Summer, Galvanic Relay, like all these things that just punish fair blue creature decks. I think if EI gets nixed, Delver could land back in that pocket of this is a powerful thing. Sometimes you delve with people, sometimes you get stuffed and they really have to work hard for their cards because all their cards are so good. They shouldn't also get just the best two out of three of them multiple times throughout a game. The European Legacy Masters ELM is an invitation-only event where the best Legacy players from across the continent face off to determine the European Legacy Champion. Behind this project is a group of European Legacy enthusiasts that want to see the format thrive. The inaugural edition of ELM will take place in Bologna, Italy alongside Four Seasons Tournament on December 3rd, 2022. This event will be streamed on twitch.tv slash Four Seasons Tournaments. The first edition will feature a mix of legacy players who have qualified throughout local tournament play, plus special guests including Andrea Mangucci, Javier Dominguez, and Gary Campbell. Go to EuropeanLegacyMasters.com for more info or follow at EULegacyMasters on Twitter. Brian, thinking about that era, Spell Pierce was a main deck card in Delver at that time. So was Spell Snare. In talks about banning days hypothetically, and this isn't going to be a ban days episode, I'm just talking out loud here. In those discussions, people are like, Delver would just fall off the face of the planet. And I've mentioned, hey, you could go back to playing Spell Pierce or Spell Snare. Those were effective cards at one point. People literally laugh out loud. But I think those are actually like still playable cards. It's just that they've been power creeped out. And if you played them again today, they're still very effective. Like, Sneaking the Show still plays a bunch of Spell Pierce. The card is still very good. It's just that you have Force Negation now. You don't need to play those effects. There's just so many good options that we have that where those are still fine cards. Honestly, I love Spell Pierce. And every time I build a control deck, I'm like, how do I get a Spell Pierce in here? And the thing that turns me off of it is Expressive Iteration. Because everybody is hitting every land drop every game. And Spell Pierce falls off now harder than it ever did. Like playing around Spell Pierce was always like part of things when that was a card that was played in the format. If you don't hit like the first EI or the first Narset, you're hitting nothing. Because like at some point, people would get stuck at like five, six lands and stop playing them because of Brainstorm or you know, whatever, or they just weren't drawing them anymore. Now, control mirrors end with 12 plus lands in play. Where Spell Pierce really isn't doing anything. Even if someone double spells, they still have four mana left over. Uro is kind of a culprit in there. Like the Uro and EI decks, where you're getting all the lands and deploying them twice as fast. If EI was not in the format, I think Spell Pierce would be better. And I know that's not exactly what you're talking about, but it dovetails into back to the core issue here of everybody's 
just has too many resources. You bring up a good point because I've been in in my head, I've been in love with Spell Pierce and Pauper recently, which is why I thought about mentioning it. And in that format, you don't have access to Uro and Expressive Iteration, so that actually makes quite a bit of sense. Okay, so on on the note of like resources, uh, I played a Death and Taxes League recently, and someone in the comments was like, why weren't you wastelanding the Delver player? And I was just like, you can't wasteland Delver anymore. That is not a reasonable, rational line to take. Because if you spend one of your land drops wastelanding them, and then they just get to two lands, cast an EI, get their third land drop, you're so far behind. So like, I had like two wastelands in play, and they were like, you had two wastelands, why didn't you just use them? It's like, no, they're, they're going to come back from that. They can rebuild for two, for two mana so, so easily. Like, I have to use my resources doing other things. Like, I have to try to play around days when I can. Like, I, I can't make their cards better by taking away my own resources to one-for-one one fight them when they can two-for-one me so well. Yeah, Delver being a 19-land deck where four of the lands are Wasteland and one is Mystic Sanctuary, it feels like they're playing 32 lands. I have it a constant theme throughout my videos is I'll put, like, one or two Wasteland in some control deck to deal with, you know, Merit Lage, Caracas, whatever I'm worried about. Urza Saga, and it'll just be in my opener, and Delver will go Volcanic Island Dragon's Rage Channeler. And I'm like, well, I could Wasteland this, try to cheese them, or I could cast my Uro on turn three off of Wasteland's Colorless Mana. And every time I'm like, I'm going to try to cheese them, I lose <laughs> every single time. And it's not just results oriented. It happens when it's happened enough that it feels bad. It's no, literally, they can trip so hard and actually dig out so hard. Because the Ponder finds the second land for the EI, which finds the third land. And I've had games where in my 23 land control deck, I Wasteland Delver's 19 land deck, and they hit land three before I do. And as an offshoot of that, from turn one, when I play against Delver, I say, I lose this game if they find card name. And often that card name is Meltdown, for example, or another similarly narrow sideboard card but from turn one i know that if my opponent digs to their card that is in their sideboard so that they can beat my deck they will win and they dig so hard the normal cantrip suite plus ei plus dragon rage channeler so each one of those cards gets one deeper means that they get to find those cards super consistently and a lot of times when i win games versus delver i'm just like oh they didn't find it after they looked at 35 cards i'm going to bring up a point here I've been playing a lot of modern Lotus Breach, and one thing that I've noticed playing that deck is it's a four Mishra's Bobble deck. I just went down from a year ago, I was playing 21 lands. I've been playing 20, I just went down to 19, because one thing that I've realized is even though I'm a deck that can't win the game unless I sacrifice two lands, Mishra's Bobble allows you to get away with playing less lands. If you look at Rug Delver from the era that Brian was talking about with Maverick and Esper Stoneblade, or Esper Deathblade actually, that's what it was called, it used to be an 18 land deck that ran three uh, tropical island three volcanic island four waste and fetches that was the mana base that's how everyone built it and then over time that shifted it adjusted and now we're up to 19 but the thing is these decks on top of playing expressive iteration and channeler now are playing mishra's bobble so they're more likely to find their land drops consistently especially when you have that channeler to surveil on the first turn or you get the bobble on turn two off of the expressive iteration and i feel like bobble here is sort of like the villain in the background pulling the string sometimes where because everything is so broken around it you don't look at it but it's actually doing a lot of work yeah i think mishra's bubble 
it's seen in in various numbers some of the builds are on the full four like the modern deck and sometimes there's like one or two as a a flex slot that enables delirium and lets you get real nasty with expressive iteration if you have actual zero cost spells in your deck you can ei on turn two actually get both cards off it which is pretty messed up especially if you set it up with a brainstorm and you know it's there uh, like th those lines do exist but i think that mishra's bauble has existed since what 2008 2007 whenever cold snap came out six oh six maybe uh it, it like that card is not new we never really cared about it until we had delirium on a one drop uh, just all these graveyard matters things on hyper efficient threats and this dig through time that cares if your card costs zero like I, I i don't know like maybe we really didn't figure it out until modern players broke it and then we borrowed it but that card is uh it's been around and hasn't really been played until we see all these support pieces yeah, I think the support pieces, like the things like Emery and Dragon Rage Channeler that came later, really powered up that card. But I think if you played Legacy from X year, I think we would see a lot of newer tech incorporated into those older time period deck lists. Um, Miracles is a classic example where it was like, oh, how many how many ponders do I want to play in Miracles? Like, I, I think I'll, I think I'll play like two. I think that's fine. And now it's like, no, every every blue deck, like 4X Ponder, 4X Brainstorm is the starting point. I think about it sometimes because right now Delver, there's really two flavors. There's the Delverless Delver, and then there's the versions that actually play Delver Secrets. And if Expressive Iteration were to go, I think you might see the two variations meld together where you just see Ledger Shredder and Delver Secrets in the same deck since Ledger Shredder can provide you with that late game card quality that Expressive Iteration does. That said, it does require you to put a little bit of work into it. You have to play spells like Mishra's Bobble that have synergy, that go or the anti-synergy that go against your Delver Secrets but help your Shredder. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I could see a world where those two versions meld together. Yeah, putting the work into it, is the the gap that EI is just slamming closed. My big revelation from the Legacy Pit Open, the, the more recent one, where I played Shark Still, I constructed this whole deck full of basic lands, full of efficient removal, and I think my Delver matchup is positive. I don't have thousands of matches of data to, to prove it, but it feels good when I play it, makes sense on paper. But at the end of the day, it came down to why am I building a deck around trying to draw three cards in this really weird and exploitable way with standstill when I could simply put more red sources in my deck and cast expressive iteration? Like throughout the tournament, sometimes it's like I end a turn towards the plowshares, untap, play standstill, and feel like a million bucks. But other times in the tournament, my opponent had Ursa Saga in play and standstill rotted in my hand, where EI for an answer to Ursa Saga would have been exactly what the doctor ordered. Like, why Why would we do anything else in a control shell than cast EI right now? It just doesn't make any sense. And forget about Delver and Delver dominance. Like, EI is also homogenizing. Like, when's the last time you saw an accumulated knowledge? That card was nice for a while. Or even, like, predict. Like, people used to have to work for card advantage, even in control decks. Jace the Mind Sculptor is completely unplayable right now. Uh, we can just get two mana... Spend two mana at any point in the game and look at three cards and take the best two. I do think that you went into a snake's den knowing that the DC greater area has a lot of tabernacles, which means a lot of Urza sagas, and you went with standstill. So I feel like 
you sort of got the short end there. But on top of that, if you look at how that event played out, Doomsday crushed, and it's like, oh, really? Doomsday's good against the Urza Saga decks. That's crazy. And you just happen to be the wrong triangle that weekend. Uh, I think that your Shirkstall deck is very good. I have to imagine it's pretty good against Delver based on what I've seen, but maybe you just didn't get the matchups. I beat lands once, lost to lands once. My my three losses that I missed day two was uh, Red Prison. Uh, in game three, I could beat any lock piece, or I was fast enough to beat War Boss. Uh, I could not beat exactly turn one Rabble Master. And that was the thing that they had. And just, you know, play draw magic. I win that game on the play. I win that game if my draw steps are a little friendlier. I win the game if they have a different card or choose to make a different play is what it is. It's in the range. But my winning in for day two on camera was against Delver. And I my deck roll, is rolled up with point and click white removal, Supreme Verdict. There's all this shit that just keeps the board clear. I board in a bunch of Pyro and Hydroblasts and... You can see it on camera it, wherever they sort their VODs. It's uh, we get to a point where the board is clear and my opponent starts casting expressive iteration and I die quickly while my card advantage engine like I think I drew like the standstill the turn after they drew the first EI. So they had like EI'd into EI into drop a threat and I'm just like standstill. If this was EI, I would EI into EI and answer your threat. But instead, I can't even cast the card that I built my deck around and that not that I'm advocating for standstill like i know what what year it is like i i I can do better and i'm just off standstill as long as ei is a thing i could be doing instead i think the final thing that i want to say about ei here is that ei is hard to fight against with like a treasure cruise or a dig through time you could shut off the graveyard and that stops those things from being sources of card advantage with ei you basically need a one for one spell to answer it uh, usually something like a pyroblast and EI dodges common blue hate. It dodges the Chalice of the Void that you're putting on one. It dodges Spirit of the Labyrinth because it's not technically card draw. Um, the, the card exists in kind of this weird spot where it naturally avoids some of the things like the, the Hole Breachers and the Narsets that are preying on other portions of Legacy decks. Gentlemen, let's say you're in the, you are Ian Duke. You are writing the next BNR announcement. What changes, if any, would you make? I would ban expressive iteration and no other cards. I would ban expressive iteration and I would consider nuking Merktide Regent as well. Um, I, I just think that card is very far above the curve um, of, of legacy threats. Um, but like if you're putting me in charge of it and it's like ban one card, it's expressive iteration without question. It could be Merktide if you want it to be. It's an open end question. However you see fit. Yeah, like if I'm picking one, it's expressive iteration. If I get to pick two, I'm taking Merktide with it. Like, take no chances. Like, just adjust the metagame so that we get a breath of fresh air in there. I think that banning a creature that has power and toughness as, like, it's the whole reason to put it in your deck, even if it's a lot, even if it's above rate, just a creature with power and toughness would be tough to put on a ban list in a format where, like, show and tell is legal and tendrils of agony is legal like the the shit that we get that can answer just a creature with power and toughness or go way over the top of it i just want to see a world shake out where it's not that easy to reload your graveyard after the first murk tide or a world where rest in peace is good against delver again it's like murk tide is a seven mana three three 
Dragon's Ridge Channeler is never delirious and you don't have EI to dig for an answer to this or an alternate wing con. I, I want to see that world for a little while. I don't think Rest in Peace beats Mark Ted Regent basically ever. Like A 7-mana 3-3 is a legacy card to you? No, what I, what I mean is I don't think the person who's planned to beat Merktide Regent is cast rest in peace. Like, I would be betting on the Merktide Regent player most of the time. Like, there's a very large difference between shutting off the graveyard on turn zero with Leyline of the Void and casting a rest in peace on turn two that is like Dazable, Spell Pierceable, Force of Negationable, Force of Willable. Like, I'm still betting on the Merktide Regent deck there. And Leyline of the Void usually isn't good enough either. Like, it's great when it works, but that deck is so good at digging towards the Brazen Borrower to bounce that out of the play that, like, by the time you get to, like, turn six or so, like, that Merktide region is just back in play, even if you started with a ley line. It, back in previous iterations of the format, playing various blue-white X decks versus Rugdelver, where uh, the the Rest in Peace knocks Tarmogoyf, Hootie Mandrills, Nimble Mongoose, like, there was a lot of graveyard threats out of that deck pre-Merktide as well, and Rest in Peace plus Red Blast answered every threat in Rugdelver for a while. People started playing Hex Drinker just as some other way to deal damage against the blue-white decks. Just like with EI around, I agree. Like spending two mana on Rest in Peace when they can just, okay, whatever, EI, dig till I find some other way to win. I, I don't know, it's just like not even a conversation right now because the tools are there and, and it is laughable to talk about. Like I don't, I don't play graveyard hate other than endurance against Delver. I'm not going to bring it in specifically in basically any deck. I think the one big difference between the scenario you're describing and this one is that if the Merktide region is already in play, your rest in peace is actively bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Big sucks. Yeah, like versus old Delver decks, like you drop that rest in peace. Holy shit, that is a game changer because the future threats are bad and the current threats are bad, and a rest in right. peace now doesn't accomplish that. Yeah, in no universe am I advocating for a world where, like, rest in peace is your whole plan. You're going to have Swords of Plowshares in that deck, too, or, you know, Solitude, or whatever. Uh, and, uh, it, yeah, it, it's it's like, a, it could be a conversation of a tool against this theoretical deck that doesn't exist because EI is legal. One thing that I think to myself a lot about is pre-Modern Horizons 2, Expressive Iteration had come out was out a full month before Modern Horizons 2 was released. It was already the best deck in Legacy pre-Modern Horizons 2. It was at 18% of the metagame. That number's burned into my head. I will never forget it. And then Delver got Ragavan, Dragon's Raid Channel, or Murtide Region. We saw Ragavan leave the format. I think a lot about what would Delver do if Murtide were banned. And I think there's really two alternatives. Well, three now with Ledger Shredder. So you go play Ledger Shredder with Bobble. You play Sprite Dragon for an aggressive role. I don't really view Monastery Swiss Spear as an option. I just don't think it's viable. I'm sorry. Uh, or you go back to playing the Whale. All of these seem considerably worse than Murktide Regent. And I can't help but think, with the cards gained from Modern Horizons 2, would Delver still exist? Because I, I do believe Endurance does a number on the deck now, where prior, there wasn't really anything good out of the green decks to fight you know dollar secrets and now we do have uh prismatic ending we have endurance the euro decks are a lot better now than they were then so i do think control might get to bully delver the way that they're supposed to if they didn't just have expressive iteration so i think right now i'm leaning towards brian but i mean i'd love to see two cards banned 
and I have a good matchup against them, but like I, I really would like to see two cards banned, but I think one would get the job done. I have seen the argument from the non-blue, non-removal players, like the the goblins experts and like the prison experts, that that wedge of the format, their job is to stop the things from arriving, not really interact with them once they're there. Murktide Regent is the house against those decks where even like Chalice into Trinisphere, it's like I fired off a ponder before your your Trinisphere came down, then I can just tap three mana to cast two spells into your chalice, they both get countered, and then cast a 7-7 seven, seven Murktide on like turn four or whatever. And 7-7 seven, seven hits you three times, races your Rabble Master or your Karn, picks off your Karn, like whatever. Like that that version of the format, like you're digging up to Muxus, your Vile's ticking up, whatever, take seven. I can see Murktide being particularly frustrating in those instances but from the the interactive decks like swords of plowshares pyroblast they don't care how big your creature is to fairy bounce it jace bounce it whatever the hell like i i'm in for all of that tendrils go over the top uh, if you're not trying to add nas uh, a one one and a seven seven are the same thing as long as you still have one life left there there are folks impacted differently by murktide regent as a card that exists Yes, and as, you know, the resident Chalice player, uh, you know, creature deck player, like, this is why my opinion on Murktide Regent tends to be stronger than that of my co-hosts, because I tend to be in the seat more often of, like, my opponent played a Murktide Regent, now I can't win. And it's very unsatisfying. If it happens every now and then, like, it's not that big of a deal, but when Delver is... What what are we at? Twenty percent of the metagame, eighteen percent of the metagame. What's the number at right now? Twenty one point six. Uh, when when it's at that high of a metagame percentage, and it's just like, oh, turn three Murktide Regent, I lose. Oh, top deck Murktide Regent, the last seven turns are just invalidated. It's it's pretty feel bad gameplay. If you combine the decks in second, third, and fourth, it does not equal the percentage of blue red Delver. Yeah, Murktide. It's certainly large. Uh, there, there is no debating with that. I, I'm, I'm still struggling with the idea of just banning a creature whose text includes power and toughness. Ultimately, even if you take out both EI and Murktide Regent, I think Delver is still a very real legacy deck, very likely still a tier one deck of some nature. Popper has f- fired off a lot of bans recently, and I think they're able to kind of do do so very easily because like the format is so affordable both in paper and magic online in legacy like if you ban critical cards from a deck you know and and that deck disappears someone might be out a two thousand dollar investment i don't think financially speaking delver players are going to lose out majorly on any any sort of ban on any card that's possibly bannable from their deck their deck stills exists their deck is still full of staples that are transferable to most other blue decks I would also like to address something real quick since we brought up the popper bans. It happens every single time any of us ever talk about bannings. All three of us are, as far as I know, our opinions have stayed the same on a possible legacy format panel. That has not changed. Part of the issue with that is, let's say one of us is on the format panel, hypothetically, and something like Murktide Regent gets banned. You now have a name that's accountable with the fact that your Volcanic Islands just dropped $60 in price. And that is a tough thing to swallow for a lot of people. And there's a finger to point, and that ends up being a big feel-bad. 
that person could be a hero to you, but the public faces do get villainized. And I think that's just something worth addressing where it's a tough position to put people in. I think that the price of Volcanic Island has almost nothing to do with legacy. That's a commander card. And I don't think the price would change. If anything, commander players would be like, oh, sweet. these There might be some shaking loose from legacy player hands. Like I, I do know personally a number of members of the CAG. That's the commander advisory group for those of you not familiar. Yeah, their Twitters are frequently un- unusable. Like someone, one of the, the CAG members will just tweet like, oh, I really hate losing to this. And then immediately the replies are like, if you ban that, I'm coming to your house. Like straight up threats or vitriol. And it's like, nobody said that. It's just not my play style. I don't know what your problem is. But yeah, I don't think anyone's going to lose a bunch of money. I would be more more worried about the price of Merktide region itself. I don't know what that card costs. Is it like 20 bucks? I don't know. Like losing that $80 is more likely than taking a peripheral hit on Volcanic Island. Merktide region as of November 1st, 2022 is $11.65 according to TCGplayer.com, who is not a sponsor of this episode. Okay. So that's cheaper than I thought it was, but still like $45 to a, a magic player could be a lot. Everyone's in different spots. I know in, in the in the scheme of legacy, uh, Delver is probably several thousand dollars and each of those thousand dollars is Volcanic Island. Like It's probably 4K just in the four Volcanic Islands. We got to be close to that world at this point. Yeah, uh, just bands costing money. Popper can move a little faster. Also, Popper, the panel has moved quickly on a number of things. That were very obviously big problems where I think Ragavan would have been banned faster if we had a legacy panel, but I don't know that expressive iteration with this current situation would be much different because it is not obviously a problem. It's just likely a problem. Uh, like we just spent an hour talking about how I wish this wasn't here, but also gameplay is pretty much fine. I don't know uh, it, if I were on this panel, which I would not want to be if it existed, because that, that sounds like thankless and terrible. If I were on this panel, I would have a hard time pulling the trigger on EI, even though I think it should go, which um, maybe makes me a coward. Does that have anything to do with the environment that you typically interact with Legacy? You are someone who records a lot of leagues of Magic the Gathering online for content. Does the Delver not being in leagues affect your decision? And this is the thing you've said several times in the episode that I just don't agree with. I feel like I hit Delver once or twice a league. We get a, uh, I just recorded a league where I went two, three, and both of the wins were against Delver and I lost everything else. We got to celebrate that or uh, the league I recorded today, round one, game one, just Volcanic Island Delver. It's like, all right, we're right into the cannon. Let's go. Uh, I, I see Delver all the time in leagues. That's yeah, I do, too. I've, like we don't see Delver in leagues at the same concentration that like you might see playing in challenges, but it's still there. Right. Like I have played very few competitive events in the past year and a half or so, and I am still running into Delver at least once a league on average. Yeah, compared to a Swiss tournament, a nine round legacy pit or eight round SCG, I expect to see Delver three times in my eight rounds where a league, if I see it once, it's on expectation twice, kind of annoying, but I fully expect to see it. This, this Delverless league universe that you live in, I'd like a piece of that because I'm not seeing it. For what it's worth, we started the pre-show with Phil talking about how he hasn't faced Delver in 50 matches. I really don't face it that often in leagues. I really don't like maybe once every 10 matches, if that. Yeah. I mean, it's jarring. Like when, when I play leagues, it's like, 
like I said earlier in the cast, it's like, oh, we got a try hard, got a someone playing Delver, got to farm your your three treasure chests today. Wow, 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 tough guy. Like that that is a meme on my channel. But I, if you want to be better at legacy and practice for your events, the leagues are where you do it, and Delver is a good deck to play. And those people are out there. And then there's also just like the easy money marksman or whoever the fuck who I know is going to just be on Delver every time. And I queue into those sort of people as well. Something that I think about a lot is like, we are the 1% of legacy players, right? Like we are playing more matches than the vast majority of legacy players. We are playing at a higher level than a lot of legacy players. And for a lot of people, legacy is going down to their local shop you know, they drive five minutes down the road, they play with their same 10 buddies that they're always playing with. And when you make rules changes, when you make banned and restricted announcements, you have to be catering to people like us and the people who are play playing the format much more casually. And I think making changes to a format in a way that reflects all the players of that format is particularly tough. And I have a lot of respect for the commander advisory group folks in particular who really have so many differing groups to work with. Because even if you just like kind of browse legacy Twitter, there's very, very different takes on how healthy and how fun the format is right now. It is a wide range. Us being like the 1% of legacy players, you listener right now in your car or on your couch or mowing your lawn or whatever you're doing right now, you are in that 1% as well because you engage with a legacy podcast. The large number of players are not content creators or even content consumers. They are just folks who own some dual lands from the 90s and want to play without having to worry about what's legal and standard right now. And I was one of those people for a long time as well. Seeing really the strings that EI is pulling when you're at that local level where 12 people show up and nine of them are going to be on the deck that they own. And then you might have three who like to get creative every week or mix up their deck choice compared to just like, or maybe you do have one out of your, your local 10 to 12 people who just shows up with, is it Delver every week in farms? Who knows? Uh, but I, I think that all of that needs to be considered. And even considering all that, EI should eat a dick. Here, here. I'm Phil Gallagher of Thraven University, and I'm Brian Koval of MakeBrightLookLikeAnAsshole.com.